You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Chapter number six is where we're going to be at. If you missed out on our Good Friday service, it was an awesome time together. You need to get caught up at our website. Uh, subscribe to our podcast if you missed out on uh, Good Friday. Uh, we took a look from Romans chapter uh, number five, um, how we, uh, what Christ's uh, death on the cross does for us. Today we're taking a look at Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six, we're going to start in verse number one this morning. If you're new here at Hui Kala, first of all, thanks so much for being with us today. We're delighted that you'd celebrate this uh, incredible holiday with us, uh, really. For us as Christians, uh, this is one of the two biggest events of the entire year. Uh, Christmas and Easter are the biggest uh, holidays of the year for us, so we're delighted that you would celebrate with us uh, here today. Thanks for being here. Inside your bulletin, if you're a guest with us, you'll find a copy of our connection card. Don't fill it out during the preaching. That would be a bad thing, okay? But before you leave here today, uh, that's your ticket out before you can actually leave. You've got to fill that out and uh, drop that off. That would be awesome uh, for sure. But don't do it while I preach, okay? Uh, Roman chapter Chapter 6, we're going to start in verse number 1 this morning. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin, and if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. And that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. But in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love Easter. Uh, again, for, for Christians, it's a big deal every single year. Uh, but I love Easter candy. And I don't know how many in this room like Easter candy this morning. Uh, but who are fans of the Cadbury eggs? Raise your hand if you're a friend of the Cadbury eggs. How many of you go straight for the chocolate bunny ears? How many of you, this is going to be a true test of spirituality this morning, how many of you like peeps? <laughs> you either love them or you hate them, don't you? But the people who raise their hands are like, I love peeps. Here's a, here's a, a neat thing. Uh, if you have kids uh, today, uh, before you leave, your kids can pick up their very own box of peeps today, okay? Uh, and so... Uh, that's either really good or really bad for you. I don't know which. Here's what I did find out as a parent who does not like peeps. If you do not like to eat peeps, put them in the microwave for entertainment value only. They, they swell up really, really big, and it's a lot of fun to do. And so uh, purely entertainment value. So there is a use for your peeps today. Uh, that's what they're there for. Uh, but I love Easter. Easter is a time of year where uh, people generally get new clothes. Uh, I'm wearing a jacket. Again, one time out of two that I'll wear a jacket this year, uh, and that's today. Uh, we wear bright cl colored clothing. I got some purple and some pink and some yellow and some green on this shirt. Uh, vibrant spring colors. I love that. 
It's also the time of year that you get to dress your kids up in embarrassing clothes as well, right? I have a photo that my mom sent me yesterday of me and my brother on Easter Sunday. <laughs> now, in case you're wondering, I am the good-looking one still uh, to this day. Uh, for some reason, my mom thought it was a good idea. Did my mic die? There we go. Uh, they're, they're turning my sound off already. I haven't even gotten started. Uh, my mom, for whatever reason, thought it'd be a good idea to put me in a plaid jacket, shorts, and knee-high black socks. I don't know that even in the 70s this was fashionable, okay? Poor, poor fashion choices, uh, for sure. Uh, but to this day, I'm still a lot better looking my older brother is for sure. He's bigger than me still, uh, but I'm still a lot better looking than he is. But when you get to have kids, you get to do the same thing to your own kids. Take a look at this photo here of my boys. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? My son uh, Vanderlei and my son Thatcher, they're matching sweater vests for Easter. Isn't that adorable? Oh, man. I'm going to send that to my kids one of these days when they're 40 and on Easter as well and say, oh, look at you. Uh, but anyways, Easter is a blast. Easter is uh, usually a time when we think about new beginnings. If you uh, live on the mainland, you have the, the uh, benefit of seasons. Here in, the, in Hawaii, we don't. It's, it's summer all the time, and I love it. I have no desire to go back to cold weather whatsoever. Uh, but in the springtime, around Easter time, the uh, flowers begin to bloom, and the trees begin to uh, bud again, and the uh, landscape begins to change. That's usually the time of year that you make sure that the lawnmower still works from last season and get the weed eater out, make sure that it still cranks. And springtime is just a time for, for new beginnings. The Easter season is also a time for new beginnings as well for us as Christians. It's a time when the old us needs to make sure that it's been put away and that we are alive living the new life that God intended us to live. As we read through this passage here in Romans chapter 6, I hope you noticed as we went through there, there was a lot of talk of death, a lot of talk of life, a lot of talk of resurrection and rebirth and things along those lines. Those are central themes that we see through all throughout the Bible. Death is inevitable. Uh, life has a 100% mortality rate. Every single person in this room will die at some point. That's just how life goes. But the question is, first of all, what will we do with our life? And secondly, are we prepared to die? Those are important questions that every single person must ask. As the Bible talks about death and life, it talks about death and life really in two different realms. It talks about a physical birth and a physical death. We're all too familiar with that. Anybody who's lived for any length of time has had a loved one that's passed on uh, from this life into the next. We're all very keenly aware of our spiritual, I'm sorry, our physical birth and our physical death. But the Bible also speaks of a spiritual birth and also a spiritual death as well. And those are things that we need to be really, really concerned about. That's what Romans chapter six talks about this morning. The Bible tells us, first of all, that you and I are born dead in our sin. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that we're born dead in our sin. In your notes uh, here this morning, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1 says, And you hath he quickened, that word quickened means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. While you, the day that you were born physically into this world, you were alive physically, but you were born spiritually dead, the Bible says, because of our sin. Uh, there's not a single person in this room that is not uh, committed a sin. Our sin is part of uh, our nature. It's woven into our DNA. It's who we are as human beings. Uh, God has set clear guidelines and laws. You and I have broken them. 
Not just once or twice, but really at every opportunity that we get, we kind of go our own way, we do our own thing, because that's who we are. The Bible says that we are born into sin, and because of that, we are spiritually dead. So if our, body, if our person, our being is made up of a body, a soul, and a spirit, our spirit is born dead. That creates a problem because God is a spiritual being. And if our spirit is dead, we have no access to God because God is a spirit, but our spirit's dead and it cannot communicate with him. We're born dead in our sins and this presents a very real problem because not only are we dead in our sin upon arrival into this world, but if something doesn't take place between birth, physical birth and physical death to make us spiritually alive, then the Bible says that we will continue in a spiritual death separated from God. You see, when we die, there's two places that you go. There's heaven and there's hell. And this is not what I think. This is not my opinion. This is what the Bible says. When you die, uh, we're gonna go one of two places, heaven or hell. And, and there's clear guidelines as far as who gets to heaven and who doesn't. And believe it or not, it's not based on church attendance or how good of a person you are or what church you attend. We're born dead in our sin, and that's a problem because we're also slaves to our sin. I don't know how many people, I'm probably the only person in this room that's ever started a diet and failed before. Has anybody else ever happened to you before? Usually, I start on Monday because Monday is a day of new beginnings. It's a fresh start. I'm gonna eat uh, lean proteins this week. I've got chicken breast that I've already cooked and put away. I've uh, cooked a big old pot of brown rice that I put in Ziploc baggies. I might have even weighed it out on my scale and calculated exactly how many uh, calories that I, I need for the particular day. I'm only gonna drink water because water is good for you and, and I'm gonna make this change. And then like Tuesday morning happens, right? I know I'm the only person that this has ever happened to. But Tuesday morning happens, you run out, you forget to go grab your lunch, and uh, you don't really have anything, and, and that meal that you made is in the fridge, and, and you don't have time for that, and uh, you got a couple meetings you gotta go to, and you're out all day, and you think to yourself, well, I'll just run through the drive-thru really quick, right? Or maybe even you're saying, I'm not even gonna go to a drive-thru, I'm gonna go to Subway, right? Because Subway is fresh and it's healthy. I'm gonna get myself a grilled chicken salad at Subway uh, because I'm gonna stay on this track. And then you get to there and you, you order and then you get to the end and they ask you that question, do you wanna make it a combo? That's a setup, just know that's a setup. Because I was doing so good with my grilled chicken salad and you offer to throw in chips with that. Like, oh, wow. If you don't want chips, you can have two cookies. Oh, great. Perfect, this is exactly what I need. And, and we try really hard to do better, but we usually wind up back in the same spot we were in before. Because it's not a matter of turning over a new leaf. It's not a matter of just trying to do better. It's not a matter of just trying to uh, maybe write down affirmations that I'm gonna say in the mirror one day. I'm gonna stand and look at myself in the mirror and say, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. That doesn't work. Why? Because we are slaves to our sin. I'm gonna continually go back to my sin again and again and again if left to my own devices. I cannot overcome my sin by myself. The Bible says that I'm a slave to it. Uh, the Bible says in John chapter eight, verse number 34, and Jesus answered and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, everyone that committeth sin is a servant of sin. That word servant literally means slave. You are chained to your sin and you cannot get away from it. Jesus himself said that. Romans chapter six, verse number six. 
Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Romans chapter 7, verse number 18. For I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to do the will is present in me, but how to perform it, that which is good, I find not. Hey, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't know how to do it. And Paul goes on to say this. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't. I know what I'm not supposed to do, and that's what I do. And I don't know how to fix it. Because we are slaves to our sin, I cannot change of my own power. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough because sin has power over me unless I seek outside help because I'm a slave to my sin. There's nothing that I can do to overcome my sin. It's a problem that I can't get away from. And you might be sitting here saying, well, my sin's really not that big of a deal. I'm actually a really good dude. And I, and I believe that you are because you carved out time on Easter Sunday to come to church and you get thumbs up from me for that, all right? But please know that that does not fix your sin problem. If it were so easy that every wrong thing I've ever done my entire life, I just show up to church one time and everything's taken care of, wouldn't everybody be lined up to do that? You see, that's where religion, false religion, hooks people in. Oh, you want your sin taken care of? Yeah, you gotta come every week. Yeah, you gotta do all these things that we say or you're not gonna to get the, uh, uh, the prize at the end. Oh yeah, you gotta come to church. Oh yeah, you gotta give money. Oh yeah, you gotta tell somebody what you've done wrong. Oh yeah, you gotta make sure that you never do those things ever again. And if you do, then we're gonna revoke your ticket to heaven. That's religion and religion is fake. Let me just tell you that. Jesus made a way for heaven and it's not through religion. It's through a relationship with him. That's the important part. So any, I'm gonna say this is a blanket statement here this morning. Any church that says you have to continue to come to that church to get to heaven is not a biblical church and, and is going against scripture altogether. Any church that claims to be the way to heaven, I'm gonna say this because I love you this morning, is a liar. Any church that says they are the way to heaven is a lie. You know why? Because Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus says, there's one way to heaven and I'm it. So if any church claims to be the way to heaven, they're trying to take Jesus' spot. And let me just tell you this, Jesus ain't gonna let nobody take his spot. But you and I, we can't make it to heaven on our own. We can't overcome sin on our own. You know why? Because we are deserving of death. You say, well, I've done some stuff wrong, but I don't know if I deserve to die for it. All right, like the death penalty, are you serious? The Bible says in Romans chapter six, verse number 23. If you got your Bible open there in Romans five, you can flip over probably the next page over. Romans chapter six, verse number 23. For the wages of sin is death. That's what you've earned as a result of your sin. Most of us probably get a paycheck stub and on your paycheck stub, it tells you what you've uh, earned for that particular period. It's your wages and your earnings. When I was in the Navy, we used to get a leave and earning statement, or LES. I told you what you earned for that particular pay period. I always loved the leave section. That was my favorite part. Uh, but anyways, um, that's what I earned for that particular pay period. Here are the wages of your sin, death. That's bad news. First of all, we're gonna die a physical death. And most people think that physical death is just a natural part of, of life. Physical death is not a natural part of life. It's God's punishment for our sin. 
You're going to die because you've broken God's law. You see, God created man to never die. God created us to live for eternity. We lived in the Garden of Eden. Our, our great, 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 super great grandparents did. Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. They were never supposed to die. But they broke God's law, and God says, now you're going to die. And physical death is part of God's punishment for our sin, and every single person in this room cannot escape death. I'm gonna try really hard to make my life last as long as it can. I'm gonna try to stray, stay away from those Subway cookies and stay with the chicken breast salad. I'm gonna try to do that, to try to live as long as I can, but I'm gonna die. And I don't know when, and I don't know how. I hope I go peacefully when I'm like 115 years old in my sleep. I, I might go screaming off the side of a cliff. I don't know. I don't have control over that. I hope I die when I'm in my hundreds, but I might die next week. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I'm gonna die because I've sinned against God. That's God's punishment. But God's punishment doesn't stop with a physical death. It goes further than that. And we will die a spiritual death if we're left to our own devices and we die being slaves to sin we will die a spiritual death. And this is the one that's really important, folks. I don't want you to miss this at all. The Bible says we'll die a physical death, we'll die an eternal death if we're left in our sin. Know this, if you are a slave to your sin and you are not set free from your sin and you die in your sin, the Bible says there's coming for you an eternal death. So you were born spiritually dead, you'll die a physical death, and then comes what the Bible calls the second death or an eternal spiritual death. This is the worst thing that could ever happen. I, I love the Bible. The Bible is God's word. Uh, it's not the thoughts of God. It's not God's ideas. It is the word of God. God spoke, and here's what he said. That's the Bible. I love the Bible. But know this, there's parts of the Bible that, that hurt my heart to read. There's parts of the Bible that I wish weren't there. There's parts of the Bible that are not convenient for you and I. And Revelation chapter 20 is one of those passages of Scripture. Uh, the verses in your notes here this morning, if you have it, Revelation 20, verse number 12. John had the opportunity, who wrote the book of Revelation, to go to heaven and actually see what was taking place in heaven. He says, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So everyone who dies being a slave to their sin, dies in their sin, will stand before God. And the Bible says God's gonna open the books. Think about this as, as God's final accounting appointment with you. And the Bible says that every man was judged according to their works. This is the worst thing that could ever happen. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Again, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is the eternal death we're talking about. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Friend, you will die physically. It's appointed unto man once to die, after that, the judgment. Hebrews chapter nine says that. When we die, you and I will stand before God. And there is not a big scale in heaven that has your good on one side and your bad on the other, and you hope that your good outweighs the bad. If so, you get to go to heaven. There's not a list of really bad offenders that God has that they go to hell and everybody else automatically goes to heaven. God's gonna open what's called the book of life and he's gonna check for your name. Do you have a reservation? 
And if your name is not written in the book of life, this, this verse is very clear. Cast in the lake of fire for all of eternity, this is the second death. And just know this, if you and I went to hell, we would go because we deserved it. You say, I don't know that I've ever done anything bad to go to hell over. Are you serious? No, the Bible says, here's what the Bible says in the book of James. If any man offend in one point of the law, he's guilty of all of it. All it takes is one sin for you to be guilty before God. <laughs> I think if we're honest this morning, because we're here with friends and family today, I probably sin more than once in my life, probably. I probably sin more than once this week, probably. I might have sinned in the last 24 hours, probably. So it's not a matter of have I done enough to go to hell. The matter is if I've sinned once, I'm guilty of God's judgment. This is the worst news ever. And you're like, this is kind of a bummer for Easter. I just kind of want to get pumped up and be excited. Oh, we're getting to the good part in just a second. I promise you that. But to know how good the good of the cross is, we need to know how bad of a situation we were in without the cross. We need to understand the depth of where we were headed. We need to understand what was awaiting us in judgment and why the cross can be considered good. We actually had a cross built for this Sunday. Uh, it's beautiful. They did a great job with it. My wife, my wife uh, ordered flowers for it and everything. It's, it's beautiful. But people have asked before, like, why, why as a Christian church do we not, like, have crosses all around the church and stuff like that? Because the cross itself holds no power. None. It's just those are a couple pieces of wood that were put together and stained very beautifully. But the cross itself as an object has no power. And if you wear crosses of jewelry, that's, that's fine. Just understand that, that jewelry has no power in and of itself. The power is not found on the cross. The power is found in an empty tomb. And notice we don't have a picture of Jesus hanging on a cross here. You know why? Because Jesus ain't on a cross no more. We don't have a picture of Jesus in a tomb. You know why? Because Jesus ain't in the tomb no more. But the cross itself, it was two pieces of wood that was a means to an end. Because you and I deserve to die. You and I were in danger of God's judgment. The Bible says, if any man have Christ, he's a new creature. But if any man have not Christ, the wrath of God abides on him. Hell will be a terrible place. I've talked to people before who said foolishly, well, I've got a bunch of friends from high school that are in hell. When we get down there, it's going to be like we, we never, never left. Uh, friends, there's no parties in hell, I promise you that. Guaranteed. Nothing but suffering. Nothing but God's wrath poured out for all of eternity. And here's the worst part. There's no second chances in hell. You gotta make a reservation ahead of time. I have to be freed from my sin ahead of time. I need someone to save me. Revelation chapter 21, verse number eight. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, you go, whoo, that's a rough crowd. I'm glad that's not me. And all liars. <laughs> there we go, got you. shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You say, ooh, that's heavy stuff. Heavy indeed, friend. And, like, and some of you that are here for the first time, again, I'm delighted that you're here. Please don't go back and tell people, like, I went to the church and they were talking about hell, fire, and brimstone on Easter Sunday. Can you believe that? I just wanted to talk about peeps and chocolate eggs. Hey, look. 
we're getting to the good part, but to get to the good part, we've got to talk about the really, really bad part. Hey, there can't be a hero of a story if we don't have some plight along the way, right? We don't need a rescuer when we have no problem. We don't need a savior when we're doing okay. And friend, we're not doing okay. We're doing as bad as it could possibly get on our own. And if you're here today and you say, I think I'm doing all right, I think you need to check yourself and make sure of that. I think you need to rewind a little bit and search your heart and say, am I really doing okay? Do I really have everything sorted out? Do I really have the answers to everything that life has thrown at me? And do I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven is my home when I die? Do you know that for sure? You need to check your heart. I had a friend who told me that uh, the idea of going to heaven is like flying on an airplane with a confirmed ticket with a boarding pass. But most people are flying standby and hoping that they make it there. Hey, friend, if you're flying standby, the flight is oversold, you will not make it. I promise you that. No chance. You can stand there with your bags, hoping that you're getting on the plane, but I'm telling you this, it's full, your name's not on the list, you're not getting in. Don't leave here today hoping you're going to heaven. Leave here today knowing for sure that you're going to heaven. How do we go to heaven? Because Jesus died in our place. I deserve death. I deserve to die. I have sinned. I have broken God's law not once, but hundreds and thousands of times. I've sinned against God's law, and I'm in danger of God's wrath. I'm in danger of God's judgment. The Case was put against me. I have no answer for my condition. God says, Anthony, you're guilty, and the penalty is death. And I got no argument. There's no appeal to be made. There's no asking for a lighter sentence. There's no time off for good behavior. I'm guilty, and I'm gonna die. But Jesus said, I'll die in his place. You see, I can't die for your sins. You know why? Because I owe God already. I, I got my own tab that I'm working on of my own sins. I can't pay for your sins even if I wanted to. This church cannot pay for your sins. You know why? This church is made up of people who are broken sinners whose only hope is Jesus. We couldn't do anything for you if we wanted to. No amount of money will ever save your soul. No religious exercises will ever save your soul. No baptism could ever save your soul. Did you know baptism is just getting wet? Do you really think of all the wrong that you've done in your life, just dunking you under some water and pulling you back up is gonna make everything go away? That's why it, it grieves me. People say, oh, I got baptized and washed all my sins away. Friend, you didn't wash away nothing, probably not even that stuff in behind your ear. You don't wash away nothing when you got baptized. The only thing that could possibly wash away our sins is for someone to die in our place. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You're supposed to die but Jesus died in your place. And if you would put your faith in Jesus today, he'll save you and give you everlasting life. And friend, you'll never die. You say, I'll live forever. No, you don't live forever here, but you'll live forever in eternity. I promise you that. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. It's gonna be a lot better than living here forever. That's for sure. Jesus had done nothing wrong. The Bible says he was without sin. 
But the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus died in our place. Romans chapter five, uh, if you have your, your Bible still open, Romans chapter five, verse number eight. But God commendeth. Actually, skip up to verse number six. I love this. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. <laughs> you know who that is? You. You call me ungodly? No, I'm with you. We are ungodly. And in due time, Jesus Christ came and died for the ungodly. Look at verse number seven. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet per adventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Hey, we got this guy. He's a really good dude. He's a pillar in the community. He does everything uh, to, to be a blessing to other people. He's given so much money to help all these, uh, these folks in this difficult situation. He's gonna die. Would anybody take his place? The Bible says maybe for a righteous man one would die. Possibly for a good man some would even dare to die. Verse number eight, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> You're not a good person. You're not a righteous person. He said, well, you don't know me. You can't say that. If you were just look at the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Has there ever been a time in your life where you put something before God? Ever? If so, the Bible calls you an idolater. And if we're just working through some of the Ten Commandments, have you ever told a lie before? Thou shalt not bear false witness, one of the Ten Commandments. Have you ever lied before? You're a liar. So you're a lying idolater. We've just gotten through two of the Ten Commandments. Have you ever used God's name as a curse word before? Or maybe like, oh my, and then say God's name? The Bible calls that blasphemy. So you're a lying, blaspheming idolater in God's eyes. And we're just through three, three out of the Ten Commandments. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? The Bible calls that stealing, and it calls you a thief. So you're a lying, idolatrous, blaspheming thief. We're through four out of 10 commandments. Are you still feeling good about how your standing is before God? The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Most of us, if we're here today, without an ankle bracelet, we probably haven't killed anybody, right? So we look at this and say, hey, one out of 10, I'm not doing so bad. Hang on, Sparky. Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount, if any man look at his brother with hatred in his heart and says an ugly word to him, then he's committed murder against him in his own heart. Ugh. Anybody ever done that before? The Bible says you're no better than the murder. You're a murderer in your heart. Lying, thieving, blasphemous, idolatrous murderer you are in God's eyes. You still feeling good about yourself? I'm not. But here's the good news. Jesus died for people like us. I'm no better than you. I've got my own sin problem that I had to deal with. I had things that were on my account. I was worthy of death. I'm still worthy of death. But Jesus died in my place because Jesus died for sinners and I'm a sinner. And he took my place. He said, Anthony deserves to die. I'm gonna die instead. That's why Good Friday was so incredible for us because Jesus went to the cross and he took my place. You say, I, I deserve God's punishment. Jesus took God's punishment. I deserve God's wrath. Jesus took God's wrath. I deserve to die. Jesus died in my place. That's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus and who he is. We refer to Jesus dying in our place as the substitutionary atonement.
make things right between me and God, Jesus died in my place. It was the, the beauty of the song that we heard sung this morning. That Jesus Christ took our place on the cross. And tonight at five o'clock, totally different message tonight. Five, be here for that. We're talking about uh, words like atonement, propitiation, expiation, justification, uh, reconciliation, redemption. Man, it's gonna be good stuff. Be here tonight at five o'clock. It's gonna be a totally different message and it'll be a help to you. But you see, Jesus died in our place, but here's the beauty of it. If you and I died for another person, we would stay dead. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus rose again to prove his power over sin. That's why we're here today. Because Jesus says, hey, sin, finished, paid for. As he hung upon the cross, he said, it is finished, done. Some people errantly teach that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, when he was buried, that he actually went to hell for three days to pay for our sins. That couldn't be further from the truth. You know why? Because on the cross, he said, it is finished, it's done. I've made the payment for sins. Well, where did Jesus go for three days while he was in the tomb? I don't know. We should totally ask him when we see him, though. The Bible doesn't tell us, you know, what that means to us. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. I just know this, that on the third day, he arose from the grave and he's alive forevermore. And because of that, you and I are here. Did you know that the, the early believers at the, the, in the Old Testament gathered together on Saturday, the Sabbath day, to, to worship? But you know that beginning with the resurrection of Christ on the first day of the week being Sunday, believers from that point all throughout human history gathered on the first day of the week because that's the day that Jesus rose from the grave. So why do we have church on Sunday? Because it's the day that Jesus rose from the grave. So we don't just celebrate Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday. We do it every Sunday. And if you're here for the first time, we have a party like this every single week. And you're invited to join us, okay? Because Jesus Christ rose again. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 10. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. Death has been put to death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Take, take your Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 8. The verse is in your notes, but I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. You know what that means? That means you're not guilty for your sin anymore. You are set free from your sin now because of what Jesus has done for you. There's no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ. You know what? When I sin, I'm not going to hell for it. You know why? My sin's already paid for. No. Does that mean I can just sin all I want to? No, that's Romans 6 where we're at before. Don't do that. You can't live like that. Your sin's been paid for. You need to live like you've been paid for now. But you know what? There's no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ who walk not after the spirit, uh, not walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit is life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I have been set free from my sin. I've been set free from eternal death. I don't even fear physical death. I hope it's painless. I don't want to get hit by a bus or anything, but I don't fear death. You know why? Because when I'm gone from here, I'm going to heaven and I'm done. And if you guys want to get together and, and show some photo slideshow and cry, please save that, okay? Because when I die, I'm having the best time that I've ever had in all of my life. So don't feel sad for me. Gather together and talk about what Jesus did for me and why I'm in heaven and have a party for me. That's what I want. 
You know why? Because I don't fear death anymore. I'm not trying to die. I still wear a seatbelt. I still try not to jaywalk. Although I get some really long walk signals here in Hawaii. Try not to jaywalk. I'm not trying to die. I don't fear death. You know why? Because Jesus has put death to death. He's put my sin to death. I have no condemnation now. But know this. I'm not anybody special because Jesus is the only hope for eternal life. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a pastor. I'm not going to heaven because I am uh, 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 go to church. I'm not going to heaven because, you know, I'm a Baptist. I'm not, none of that. I'm going to heaven because Jesus paid for my sins and he's the only hope for eternal life. You see, to live... Again, we were born to die physically and we were born spiritually dead. To live, we have to be born again. This is critical. You can't miss this. John chapter three, verse number three is in your notes. Jesus saith unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There are no two ways about this. This is non-negotiable. If you are not born again, you will not go to heaven. John 3, 3, very clear. Well, I went to a church one time that said X, Y, hey, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about what Jesus said. Well, the church I grew up in baptized me as a baby and told me that I'd go to heaven because of that. I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about what Jesus said, and what Jesus said goes. God has spoken. Not a baptism in the world that could save anybody. Jesus says, you must be born again. John 14, 6, also in your notes. Jesus saith unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Any church that told you that you're going to heaven because of that church has lied to you. Any church that told you you're going to heaven because you did good stuff has lied to you. Jesus says he's the only way to heaven. He's the only way that we can have eternal life. It's the only way that we can be born again. It's it. So, we now have the choice to either die to our sin and be alive in Jesus forever or not. It's totally up to you. You see, the Christian life is about choosing. You gotta choose to follow Jesus. If you're here today and you're kind of exploring Christianity, let me, I'm just gonna make it really clear for you. Jesus says he's the only way to heaven. There's no other way other than him. And you have to make a choice. No one can make that choice for you. I often talk to people about what's gonna happen to them after they die. And believe it or not, most people don't wanna talk about it. <laughs> I get it. You need to think about it, though. But I've had folks that I've talked to before, I said, uh, hey, tell me about what you think happens when we die. Well, I'm going to heaven when I die. How do you know that? Well, my, my great-grandfather was a Baptist preacher, and then my grandfather was also a Baptist preacher. <laughs> and what does that have to do with you? Nothing. Well, my mom... She prayed all night long over me while I slept in a crib. That's fine. You have to make your own decision. You must make a choice for yourself. Every person must make their own decision. And you must choose to die to your sin to be alive in Christ. There must be a point in time where you recognize. I'm gonna make it very clear for you right now. There must be a time in your life where you recognize, I've broken God's law, I've sinned against God, I cannot get to heaven on my own, I need Jesus. And I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to Jesus because he's the only hope that I have. I'm gonna lay down all my religion, all my good works, all the things that I thought was gonna get me there, and I'm putting my faith today 
in Jesus and Jesus alone. The Bible says we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that we will be saved. Saved from what? Eternal death, wrath, hell, a purposeless life. Saved. Friend, if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, please do not hit those double doors in the back until you know for sure that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home and that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Best decision you'll ever make in your entire life and this Easter could mark a change forever for you. But you gotta make a choice. You see, you can die for your sin or you can die to your sin. That's how this works. You don't want Jesus' payment? That's fine. You're gonna pay. If you don't wanna accept his payment on the cross, that's fine. But you're on the hook for it. You're responsible for it now. You must pay for your sin. But you know what? For those who trust Jesus, he gives us a new life. I'm not the same guy that I used to be because Jesus made a change in me. I accepted Christ as Savior. I was born again when I was nine years old. I haven't lived a perfect life since I was nine. I made a lot of mistakes. I was probably until my mid-20s before I really got serious about following Jesus, and he made a major change in my life. But you know what? I'm still not perfect. And this is not a matter of if you put your faith in Christ today, you gotta have perfect attendance in church for the rest of your life. It's not a matter of, well, I'm afraid maybe I'll sin. Let me just tell you, you will sin. But the Bible says when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus on our behalf is, hey, he's forgiven, he's mine. But you gotta make a choice. For those of us that trust Jesus Christ, we have a new life. Turn back to Romans chapter five, we're almost done here. Romans chapter five, verse number four. I'm sorry, verse number, uh, I'm sorry, Romans six. I said Romans five. Romans six. Let's just start in verse number one here. Again, when we're saved by God, if when we sin, not if we sin, when we sin, we come back to God, we ask for forgiveness and we move on with life. That's why verse number one says, what shall we say? Shall we continue to sin? that God's forgiveness just covers it? No, God forbid, verse number two. Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead to the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. That's critical. Because the day that Jesus saved you, he saved you to a new life. I don't get to live the way that I used to. Here's the thing. I don't want to live the way that I used to. It was a mess. I tried to band-aid my life. I tried all the quick fixes. I tried all the life hacks to make life better. And let me just tell you this. I made a mess of my life. Do you know what Jesus says? Hey, I got a new life for you that's better than the one that you had before. And you know what? I've got a group of people around you. Look at the people to your left and your right. These are the people around you that are still not perfect, but are trying to do better than they did yesterday. And we're all moving forward together. None of us have made it yet. None of us are perfect yet. But we're just a group of people who had a wreck of a life that Jesus has saved and has given us a new life. And we're just pursuing Jesus together. That's it. Every single week of the world. For how long? Till our time on earth is done. We're gonna do this every single Sunday. So it works like this. We're dead in our sin. You were born dead. 
The day that you put your faith and trust in Christ, you become dead to your sin. I ask God to forgive me and save me from my sin. And now I'm dead to that sin. Here's the great thing about God's forgiveness is when it's over, it's over. My parents oftentimes when I was a kid, and I would mess up and make mistakes. Man, it would ruin the rest of the night. Well, we were going to have a movie night, but you went and messed everything up. Oh, we were going to have a nice family dinner, but you went and messed everything up, and now we can't. And it just ruined the whole night. Sometimes ruined the whole week, depending on how bad I was. And I was pretty bad as a kid. But you know what God says? Hey, when you've confessed your sin, it's over and done with. And we're just going to move on from there. I'm not going to allow my past to dictate my future. Because God says, I'm forgiven, I'm moving on. My guilt of my sin, my shame of my sin, the consequences of my sin were put on the cross of Jesus Christ and put to death once and for all, and I get to move on. And here's the great thing about this. You look at that and you go, that doesn't really sound fair. I'm thankful that God's not fair. So many times people say, well, I just want God to give me what's coming to me. Trust me, you do not want what's coming to you. You don't, I guarantee you that. Because of what Jesus did for me, I get to be righteous in God's eyes. That's not fair, but I'll take it. Dead in my sin, dead to my sin. Now I'm alive in Jesus Christ. I've never been more alive in my entire life because of what Jesus has done for me. Because I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I need to be yet, but I'm not who I used to be. But I'm alive in Jesus Christ. If you want to have some fun sometime in your Bible study, just do a search in the New Testament for the words in Christ. <laughs> Your head will explode when you find out who you are in Jesus Christ. And because of that, I now can walk in newness of life. I got a new life now. You know why? Because of the cross. Dead to sin, dead to our sin, alive in Jesus Christ and raised to walk in new life. That's it. That's how this works. The bad part, I deserve hell. The good news is Jesus paid the price for me. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, there's never been a time in your life where you've been born again, there would be an opportunity for you to do that here at the end of the service. We're almost done, I promise you that. If you don't know for sure your sins are forgiven today, you'll have the opportunity to say, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I'm telling you this, your sin weight comes off of you. You're adopted into the family of God. And now you'll be alive like you've never been alive before. And God gives you a new life from this point forward. If you're already saved, you're already a child of God, and you go, well, I wish I could get a new life starting forward. Your new life starts today. Anything in the past is in the past. Confess it to God. Move on. Your new life starts today. You don't have to wait till January 1st. You don't have to wait till Monday morning. You don't have to wait till next time. It starts today because we're alive in Jesus Christ. That's what the empty tomb means for us, that you and I, we were once dead, 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 dead. But because of the empty tomb this morning, we're alive like never before. Again, if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're alive in Christ, pay close attention, your opportunity's coming up.